As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. I look out the window, I see it's gone. I'm like, oh no, my car has been taken. Fear and frustration in Milwaukee as the number of car thefts skyrockets. Who do we call? What do we do? And after the initial shock, comes the fallout. Possibly thousands of dollars. Now victims of car thefts are sharing their stories and the cost. They took it for a joyride and then they left it. Why some say recovering from the crime is almost as bad as the theft itself. From the Fox 6 Studios, this is Open Record. I'm Amanda St. Hilaire here with Brian Polson. Hey, Brian. Hey, Amanda. We are recording this episode on Thursday, Veterans Day, November 11th. And joining us today once again is our colleague and Fox 6's contact, 6 reporter Jenna Sachs. Hey, Jenna. Hi, Brian. Hi, Amanda. So, Jenna, crime rates fluctuate over the years. I mean, we see them go up. We see them go down. Some years are worse than others. But the spike in one particular crime in Milwaukee is literally off the charts. And I meant to use the word literally. If you actually go back and look at old charts of car thefts in like Milwaukee budget reports, things like that, (laughs) before this year, the top number on the chart doesn't even come close to what we have seen in 2021. Car thefts have exploded. What's going on with stolen cars in the city this year? Well, you're right. The numbers are pretty astounding, and I'll I'll get to those in a little bit. But really, car thefts of two particular makes of vehicle have gone way up. And we're talking, of course, about Kia and Hyundai vehicles. I'll start with some overall numbers, which are, they are amazing, but not quite as astounding as the, the later numbers. Overall, auto thefts in Milwaukee are up 172% compared to this time last year. And Kia and Hyundai vehicles account for two thirds of all car thefts in the city. Sometimes they account for more, it depends on what the numbers are showing at that particular moment. So my numbers were as of October 18th of 2021. And at that point there had been 8,400 car thefts in Milwaukee, same time frame last year, it was just 3,100 car thefts. So that's quite a difference. And the cars, that are being targeted, these Kia and Hyundai vehicles, are those that do not have an engine immobilizer, which makes them easier to steal. And you can tell usually if your car falls into this category, if you have an older shank style key, not a button start. And interestingly, it's interesting, if you look at last year, the types of vehicles that were being targeted, Kia and Hyundai weren't even in the top three. Last year, it was number one, Fiat Chrysler, two, Honda, three General Motors. This year, it's number one Kia, two Hyundai, three General Motors. Kia and Hyundai far away, the top two vehicles being targeted. And so, I mean, this is something that's been in the news. It's it's been really publicized. But in your latest report, you were digging into one particular aspect of this. So how did you decide hey, there's, there's something more here that we need to tell our viewers about. Well, we've been reporting a lot on Kia and Hyundai thefts, but it's usually a, qu- a quick story, meaning, you know, it's a, a general assignment reporters 
daily report and they may mention a victim and we'll hear a little bit about their story. And then we've generally moved on. I wanted to talk about the long-term impacts on the people who are being victimized by these crimes because it doesn't just end the day their car is stolen. That is a very shocking, scary, overwhelming experience for them. But the impacts of that can last for weeks. It can last for months. There can be a lot of additional costs that people aren't thinking about. And I thought it was worth looking into more than just the initial shock and the the day it happened. I thought there was more to follow. So what did you find? Well, The numbers are pretty amazing. I'm going to start with those because so far this year in Milwaukee, as of October 18th, Kia thefts are up nearly 3,200% over last year. Hyundai thefts are up 1,700%. So there are a lot of people who are falling victim to this. And what we found when it comes to the victims themselves, it's, it's, it's more than just the insurance deductible. A lot of people think, well, it's going to cost $500, maybe $750. And that's true. But after the insurance deductible, you may need to get a rental car in a market where there's a shortage of cars right now. And that's making availability difficult and it's driving up prices. Consumers also may need to buy a new car, maybe because they don't feel comfortable driving that vehicle in the city anymore, but maybe because their vehicle was totaled and that happened and there can be extra costs there buying a used car is expensive right now. People are choosing to buy security systems for their cars and tracking devices. They are paying for more secure parking spaces, maybe underground parking spaces. And then there are impacts that don't cost any money. You know, the stress and the worry about keeping these cars in Milwaukee, debating whether or not they need to sell it. And there's another issue with supply chain for the parts when it comes to repairing these, and that is drawing out the amount of time it takes to recover because it may take a few weeks to get the parts you need to repair a car. It may take a few months and back to rental cars. Maybe your insurance only covers a month worth of coverage for that, you know, so you may have to pay for that insurance, uh, not, I'm sorry, you may have to pay for that rental car out of pocket after that point, depending on how long it may take. Jen, you talk about, I mean, you throw numbers out like a 3,200% increase in the thefts of a particular make of vehicle. And I mean, it's almost easy to brush past that number. That's an enormous increase, but it suggests something, which is the word got out to whoever's doing these car thefts, that these are an easy target. And you mentioned earlier the the engine immobilizer issue. Is is this something that only exists on Kia and Hyundai vehicles of a certain vintage that, that that's why they're targeted or easier to go after? Is it just that the word got out that those are the easiest? I mean, why those and why not, for instance, a Subaru or a Honda or something else? Is it just those vehicles that have this vulnerability? Well, I think you're right that the word has definitely gotten out because last year at this time, only 87 Kia had been stolen and now it's 2,900. So the word definitely got out. And some of these vehicles have been around for a while. And uh, when we asked MPD about, you know, why is it this particular vehicle? Why are it, is it these makes that's happening in such high numbers? And he said, it's because the thieves are able to take them easily. And now the criminals know about it. And I won't walk you through how these cars are being stolen. You can find that easily online, but a Milwaukee law firm actually has a class action lawsuit that they filed against Kia and Hyundai. It's currently sealed, but they are alleging these vehicles in particular 
have subpar security measures that make them incredibly easy to steal. In their class action, they call it a design flaw and a safety risk. In response to that, we did reach out to Kia, Hyundai. They actually have the same parent company. Um, Kia told us they can't comment on pending legal matters, but the vehicles do meet federal regulations and requirements. Hyundai told us pretty much the same thing, but also they said, you know, we are concerned. We're providing wheel locks to MPD to distribute. And I will say that some of the newer vehicles for Kia and Hyundai do have much better security measures that make it easier to track these stolen cars. You can track them on your computer. There's a kill switch so you can shut it down um, remotely. And that's helpful to police. So newer vehicles, it sounds like Kia and Hyundai has addressed the issue, but some of these you know, older vehicles, and some of them aren't that old, um, they, they have they have issues tracking these vehicles. When you say newer vehicles have more safety measures, I'm asking a totally self-serving question. How new are we talking well, some <laughs> as of the, the people, owner of a Kia? Some of the people I spoke with had cars that were only a couple of years old who had experienced theft. Super. <laughs> well, so thank you, you Amanda. Fall into that category. So, so Amanda, don't park your car without a wheel lock in, uh, you know, like within the vicinity <laughs> well, of the city of Milwaukee right now, it seems like that would be a rich target. Yeah, yeah. It's actually some, something my husband and I have, have talked about because he, uh, he wor- fortunately where he works, they have a secure parking garage. But if they didn't, I think that we would um, probably be swapping cars or, you know, going, taking a, a few more measures than we have been. I- I'm wondering, Jenna, if we know typically who is stealing these cars and what they're doing with them because our our own uh brett vickery a reporter for fox 6 had a really heartfelt uh social media post recently about her car that got stolen it eventually got found with a bunch of bullet holes in it and she said that it was the whole process was a really traumatic experience for her you know there's been a lot of attention on the age of some of these thieves because there have been a lot of people involved in this who are teenagers, people who have been involved has been, have they been as young as 12 years old? So there's definitely a youth factor in play here, but there are also individuals who have stolen cars or been caught behind the wheel who are in their twenties. So it's not exclusively young people, but these are people who are posting social media videos online, bragging about these thefts. There's groups called the, like the Kia boys and they're, they're bragging about it. And sometimes the cars are being used for criminal activity. They're being used in robberies. Sometimes the cars are just being ransacked and taken for joy rides. You know, sometimes they're just driven around for a while and then ditched, you know, but often there's quite a bit of damage to the vehicle first, not just the damage to get into the car, uh, but it, it can be very dangerous. Some of the dash cam video we've been sent by police, it, it, it's pretty alarming. Sometimes the cars are totaled, there have been injuries and there have been deaths. And it's something I know that a lot of people in Milwaukee are very concerned about. And when we did this report, there there were a lot of people who were, were interested in it because it's affecting so many lives. Jenna, I, during the process of you reporting on this, I came across a Facebook group is it basically, I think it's just called like Stolen Cars or Stolen Cars Milwaukee, but they created this for people to report their own vehicle stolen or or that they've found a vehicle. What's so remarkable to me is 
because of this sort of joyride aspect to this, people are finding Kias left running with the key or what, maybe there's not a key in the ignition because they didn't have one, but they're left running and sitting on at some intersection because they're done with the joyride. And then somebody says, hey, everybody, if this is yours, come get it. But what stood out to me about this page is it was created so that citizens could essentially help other citizens find their stolen cars because for police, this is a lower priority call right now. There's so much going on with violent crime in the city. There's been such a huge increase in violent crime that a stolen car report, unless you've caught someone in the act and they're still in the car stealing it, it's not a high priority response. The car is gone. The actor is gone. There's not much they can do unless it turns up. So people report their cars stolen and they feel like, well, they're not getting much response from police. What did you hear from the people you talked to about the police response to this? Well, first of all, quite a few told me that the people who stole their car were never caught. I heard that quite a bit. And that was frustrating to them. And some said, you know, I, some laid blame on police saying they felt like they should be doing more. Some laid blame exclusively on the criminals themselves. So it depends on who you speak with and, and what their perspective is. Um, I asked MPD, you know, what, what are you doing about this? And they said, well, we're raising public awareness, we're making the public aware, and we've handed out more than 2,000 anti-theft steering wheel locks. Although I will say, we've heard from people who say their cars were stolen with the wheel lock on. Um, and then they're being, you know, reactionary. They're, they're working to help victims track their vehicles. They've helped them sought their cars, retrieve their cars. And they're basically giving advice, you know, get a wheel lock. They mentioned a steel collar for a wheel. I'm not hundred percent sure what that is, but that's another option available. They said, you know, if you can invest in a security system, park in an enclosed area, but you know, it, depending on who I spoke with, I think perspectives really differed about who was to blame for the issue. Well, and it's interesting that, I, I mean, of course, this is, um, you know, the system design flaw, you know, as, as that uh, class action alleges, is not just an issue in Milwaukee, but even in the national coverage of this issue, a, a lot of those articles really have zeroed in on Milwaukee. And this seems to be an intersection of what's going on with this car and then the city's overall issue with reckless driving. Right, and I know, Brian, you've done quite a few reports on reckless driving. Maybe this is something you would want to weigh in on. Well, actually, I was going to bring up the fact that there's a, a real intersection here between these two issues, because in a lot of the cases, the, the crashes that we see, there's often a stolen car involved in those crashes. And in fact, it's funny, just before we started recording, I mentioned that stolen car Facebook group. There's a video posted or that someone shared that they had seen someone else had posted of a crash that just occurred. It looks like it occurred last night between two vehicles. Sure enough, two vehicles that at least according to the narrator who's recording the scene, there's injured people, the fire department's there. And, and they said it's a, a couple of stolies, stolies meaning stolen cars, a couple of stolies and, and these young people crashed into each other. And you hear the narrator pointing his cell phone camera around saying broken leg there broken leg there couple of stolies this is what happens so that's an example of another violent reckless driving crash that intersects with this issue of the stolen cars in both circumstances you know we talk to people who are concerned about these issues and they say in a lot of cases it is the younger drivers some so young that not only do they not have a license they couldn't have a license even if they wanted to 
but it's not all just young people. I don't know what the stolen car issue, obviously reckless driving spans the spectrum. There are adults involved in it, but there's definitely a crossover between these two issues. And there are two things that while violent crime may well be for good reason, the top priority for Milwaukee police right now, just as they're facing personnel shortages and cuts, um, in terms of community concerns, Stolen cars and reckless driving are two of the big things that are really vexing citizens in the city of Milwaukee. Well, and with the underlying issues, sometimes it's hard to untangle them, right? So it's like, a, like you just pointed out, a stolen car isn't just a matter of inconvenience for the victim. It, oftentimes it then can be used in violent crime. So in, in responding to one, you then have the other one linked. And so none of these things end up happening in a silo. And so it will be interesting to see if over the, the course of the next few months, especially now that we Milwaukee has a permanent police chief now just approved by the Fire and Police Commission within the last couple of weeks, it will be interesting to see if a concrete plan emerges for actively dealing with this issue. Because I think that's what's frustrating to a lot of people is not just that they feel like police aren't responding with full force in each individual case. It's that a a plan of action really hasn't been presented to the public. And it's little comfort to say, here's a steering wheel lock when people know that there are cases where cars have been stolen with them on. And I will point out that it's not exclusively a Milwaukee problem, but it has stemmed out into the suburbs as well. We heard from people in places like Mequon who say their cars were being targeted as well, but it's happening across the city of Milwaukee in all sorts of, of neighborhoods. So it, it's, it's, it's not just Milwaukee, it's coming from Milwaukee and it's, it's going into some of the suburban communities as well. Um, but I will say every person who wrote to us about their experience, and we had more than 20 after we put out a solicitation on Facebook, more than 20 people wrote to us and every single one had an interesting and compelling story about being a victim. I could have interviewed any of those people and had a good story. You know, they said, I was at the beach. I came back, my car was stolen. I was at a Bucks game. I came out at 11 PM and my car was gone. I'm not from here. I didn't know what to do. It was the middle of the night. You know, people were at work. One woman said, I, I worked a 10 hour shift at a hospital, went out to the hospital parking garage to find my car was missing. You know, cars. So that's not been- just on the street. That's like in a place you think is secure. The, the parking garage at your place of work. Right. The audacity of going into an actual parking structure at a hospital, you know, that could, that those, you know, people who are working so hard, or maybe, you know, their patients and their cars are being stolen. Um, And some people say, you know, this has happened to me multiple times. It's happened in broad daylight. It's not something just, you have to worry about street parking at night. It sounds like this is happening to people who come into the city to work as well, all, all hours of the day, all parts of the city. Before we go to our off the record, I want to just address one thing that seems to be sort of an elephant in the room on this issue, which is that question of if these are so vulnerable and so heavily targeted, you know, is, is the solution for, you know, police are saying, well, we're making the public aware, we're giving out wheel locks, but not much more we can do right now. Is the solution simply not to drive a Kia or Hyundai that's in this sort of window of, of vulnerability? But even as I ask the question, I think, Amanda, you just said, I already have one of those cars. So what do you do? Yeah. Go sell your car now? Well, I mean, it's a tough spot to be in. Yeah, it's a two-year-old car. 
you know, for us that, that we bought new, so we're not getting rid of that anytime soon. And I think most people are in the position where they, and if you are (laughs) congrats to you, but I think most people are in the position where they can't just be like, eh, time to get a new car. And I will add some people also blame the judicial system saying that we need to come down harder on some of these car thieves, but Mm. also you have to catch them first. And that's also difficult. Well, and even if you do, you know, really bring the hammer down on that, it it makes you wonder how many other people are are going to emerge to do this. And even that, I mean, you, you, you can't, most people don't get locked up forever. So when they, come out are they just going to do it again you know what what's what's the evidence for what works and I don't know that we've really seen that at this point and we've spoken with people who had their insignias stolen off their vehicle which there's really no point in taking the insignia other than maybe as a trophy or as a collection of some sort of game it points to some sort of bragging rights there's you don't need to take the insignia to break into the car so that seems to be something you're keeping as a point of pride what are you looking to dig into next having already done this story i'm sure you could have done 10 different stories with all the information you got oh man i don't know i don't have any immediate plans to do another story about kia and hyundai thefts i i have some things in the works i'm very i'm interested in this class action lawsuit um, when, when that's opened, when that is no longer under seal, I'm going to take a close look at that and hopefully try to speak with the people involved, but that would probably be my next step. But I don't know when that is going to be unsealed, but I will be keeping a close eye on that because that raises the question of, you know, what are the automakers responsible for possibly, um, you know, does this class action have legs? So I I'm interested in reading that. Jenna, before we go on to off the record last, and I don't know if you know the specific numbers or years on this, but you know, news you can use. Do we know specifically what years of Kia and Hyundai fall in this window of vulnerability, or does it depend on the model? Yeah, I know you mentioned it's that if you have, for instance, a newer Kia or Hyundai with keyless start, you're okay, right? Yeah, I'm not sure I'm comfortable saying exactly makes. I believe I asked law enforcement this and they couldn't really answer it as well. I think it varies. Uh, but I, I think the best indication, as you mentioned, is checking out what kind of key you have. I think that's usually a, a good sign uh, of, of whether the vehicle is one that would be targeted. But I also spoke with a woman who didn't end up being in my story, who was robbed at gunpoint, who had one of these newer vehicles too. So, you know, there's other vehicles still being targeted, even if they can't, you know, a break in and, and, and take it the way they would a Kia or Hyundai typically. And that's an interesting point because even if the person, even if you do have a newer model, the person stealing the car doesn't necessarily know, oh, this is from 2020 or this is from 2019. It's just the fact that it is, you know, something that's been so widely publicized means that, you know, the attempt might be made. So even if it doesn't get stolen, maybe your window gets smashed in or maybe something else happens along those lines. There's still an impact here on everyone who drives those cars. Right, right. And fortunately, glass is a little easier to come by than, you know, replacing a steering wheel column, which is something, you know, a a car repair shop we spoke with said they can't get those anymore. They have to refer all these stolen cars to the dealership saying, I can't repair them anymore. I can't risk them sitting in my lot for weeks while we wait for these parts.
It is time to go off the record. So this is the part of the podcast where we answer a question we have not prepared for. And here to ask us that question is our executive producer, Sarah Smith. Hey, Sarah. Hello. Um, My question for today is pretty straightforward. If you could put anything on a billboard that others would see, what would it be? It could be a saying, it could be a picture, it could be an inspirational quote. Um, anything on a billboard that others would see, what would it be? I'll go first. This takes a little thought. Esoteric. Yeah. Yes. Uh, BRB Googling esoteric. Um, <laughs> the, so my answer is, here's what I would put on a billboard. Chew with your mouth closed. <laughs> That's it. Spoken like that's someone who has children. Billboard. I, uh, that's the noises, like that's mouth noises. I know there's I, like a, uh, a name for us noises. type, but it's slurps, bites, crunches, just <laughs> so. Maybe I'll put a people. Do you think people who make a lot of mouth noises when they eat, do you think they're aware of it? Is no, it a lack no. of self-awareness or do they not yeah. care? No, no, it's a lack of self-awareness. They have no clue that they're crunching with their mouth open until I say, hey, my daughter, I mean, my daughter does it, but I know several adults that do it. I used, and there was a former coworker I had here who he sat across from me in the office. And one day all I hear is, <laughs> I look up and he is sucking on a peach, a blessed juicy peach. And just, I finally looked and I was like, guy, can you please stop doing that? Like, please cut the peach or, or just eat it or go somewhere else, go in the lunchroom, go outside go three miles down the road i don't care so to this day we joke about his slurping peach but so i wonder when it comes to that you know if it's also impacted by people wearing earbuds headphones and listening to things and not hearing themselves and i say it for this reason and i don't mean to throw my steps on under the bus but the other day we were watching the packers game and he had headphones on and was engrossed in something on his phone and he was eating as he was doing this. And because he had the headphones in, I don't think he could hear how much he was breathing as he ate. So there was sort of a <laughs> And I don't think he knew because he had headphones in and I didn't want to embarrass him. Now, of course I talk about it on a podcast. Reese, don't listen to this podcast, please. Um, but it was nothing he did wrong, but I think because of the headphones, he wasn't aware of how that's, loud that's it sounded fair. outside of that. And so I don't know if that plays into it at all or not, or <laughs> if the people you're talking about are just generally loud eaters. Nah, they just don't know. Anyway, I, I just, just that's, so that's what I would say. Chew with your mouth closed. I think I would put something like, listen more, talk less. Because I feel like one of our biggest issues with our world today is that we're all, we all have opinions and we're shouting them at each other and we're not listening to each other or even trying to understand where someone else might be coming from. And I feel like a lot of the issues that exist wouldn't exist if two people were actually sitting next to each other and talking about it instead of shouting about it online and coming to quick conclusions about each other. So I think that's something I, I, I would probably put on a, a billboard. It, it, it's, you know, I can't steal the Ellen DeGeneres line, but be kind or something like that. But I think we just all need to try to so listen my question more. if she could use that anymore, but that's a whole different story. <laughs> so that would be mine. It's not as fun as loud chewing, but I feel like that could yeah. solve a lot of the world's problems if we just Same were better listeners. <laughs> 
between chewing with so, your mouth closed so, and being kind and listening. No, that's mm -hmm. the world's problems right there. So this is like, so the, the, what you would put on a billboard, it's sort of like your message to the world, the sort of advice for the world kind of thing. I, no, I just mean like um, I'm trying to figure out the spirit of what this is supposed to be and well, I was like you know I I'm mean, gonna should, take this in a different like my favorite movie quote or you know yeah. I'm gonna take this in a different direction um and I don't have I don't know exactly how I would phrase it there's got to be a pithy way to say this and I just can't think of it right now but um and this is a, this is totally self-serving but uh I've I've run into some issues lately where people in power, especially elected leaders who we call for interviews, think that if they don't do the interview that we won't do the story or that that's the end of the story. Um, and then I mean, they're surprised not. when we show up with the camera and the microphone. So I would want something the effect to, that in a short pithy way that I can't think of that basically says, and I guess it would be, we could do the, this the easy way or we could do this the hard way where we can do the interview at the time of your choice with the nice lighting and with the time you have to prepare for my questions, which I would also prefer. Or we can show up at the public meeting where you get the crappy lighting, the camera and the microphone in your face, and you're not prepared for what I'm gonna throw at you. So it's probably, we could do this the easy way or we could do this the hard way. So that I'm taking it in a different direction. This is a very target. This billboard has a very targeted audience. But I also, in the same breath, I also tell my kids that I said there are easy ways to do things and there are hard ways. Like when they melt down because they have to take a shower that we do every single dang night. And I say, <laughs> Kyle, you can do this the easy way or the hard way. And right now yep. it's the hard way because he's losing his gourd over to having to take a shower. So I think it could work for elected officials, but also small children. <laughs> yeah, we could do this the easy way or the hard way or, um, and, and that's, that's part of it. The, uh, the other part is like when, with great power comes great responsibility, right? Like when you're in power, you have a responsibility to answer those questions. So it's not even like necessarily about what's easy and, and what's difficult, but there is strength in directly and honestly answering tough questions. So, I mean, there are a variety of phrases we could go with. It could be like there's strength in answering tough questions is a show of strength or, um, you know, with great power comes great. I think I like answering tough questions as a show of strength. I think that's where I'm going to land. Well, because if you go with great power comes great responsibility, I, everybody just thinks there's a new Spider-Man coming out yeah, again. Yeah, I, <laughs> I am not Spider-Man. And there probably is a new Spider-Man coming out again. There's yeah. one every other year. Um, I think if I were to pick one phrase that was sort of in that, that vein, that spirit of sort of advice for the world and, and for all, I think it would be think for yourself and stop letting, for instance, your political silos think for you. What be, because I feel like no matter what the issue is today, and I know social media has so much to do with this, but it's almost as though people step back and say, what should I be saying that fits how I believe? And then they see others saying it and they go, yep, that's my position. Without stepping back and going, what do I actually think about this and why? So I think we've seen that with everything from you know vaccines to George Floyd to whatever it might be. I think often people look around them to see the people who they believe are like-minded and they take their cues from what those people are saying and then that becomes their unbreakable position. And when someone steps outside of that and says something almost unexpected, it's almost like, well, wait a minute though, I thought you were, and 
well, maybe that person's actually thinking for themselves. I think it's something I try to teach my my kids and my stepkids is don't give me your position on something because you heard it somewhere else. Think through it. Why? And if you can defend an argument you're making and make a logical case yourself, okay. But if you're making that argument because you heard it somewhere else and you think that's what you're supposed to say, um, or maybe it even makes you feel like not such a good person, but you just know that's what, I, I see that so much now where people are making, no matter what the argument is, they're making arguments that they think they're supposed to make to fit a narrative or to fit a profile, as opposed to just thinking for themselves. And I think if more of us, like Jenna said, if more of us were, were open-minded, if more of us listened, instead of just shouting opinions at one another and trying to win social media arguments, we'd be in a lot better place. And you do see that, Jenna, you mentioned talking to people face-to-face. -face. It's amazing to me how people online can just be at each other's throats. But if you put them in the same room at a, I don't know, a Packers watch party, those same people can get along just fine. And suddenly they sort of see a little more of a point the other person has. I think there's something about the human nature of being in someone's presence uh, that we can be a little bit more reasonable. So yeah, my message would be think for yourself. It does take a lot of emotional maturity to be able to ask yourself, why do I feel this way? Why am I reacting this way? And why do I really think this and to dig into that? And that's, uh, that's something that takes a lot of work and, and courage to be able to do. And even more so to get to that next step, like you said, Brian, of saying, oh, I actually don't think I think that anymore. Well, and, and there's a related piece to this, which uh, a phrase that uh, I, I've heard used and I always love, which is, but it's challenging to adhere to, assume positive intent. Um, it's not only to think for yourself, but to assume the person you might disagree with has positive intent, even if you have differing views. That opens up a lot more discussion that's reasonable and thoughtful rather than default assuming that the other person is bad and has evil intent. That's where you get all these you know, social media flame wars is the assumption that the person on the other side is an inherently flawed individual with, you know, with uh, evil in their heart. And I think that's that assumption, that starting point is where so much has gone wrong. So think for yourself with maybe a little subtext that says assume positive intent. That would be my message, Sarah. There you go. Was that too serious? Man, you know, like was, I, I no laugh Snickers. because like, it, this reminds me of like any anniversary for my husband and I. We get each other a card and, and every year I go, oh, should I go funny or should I go serious? And it, without a doubt, every year I'm like, man, I am more like the jokes, like, ah, your butt is cute or whatever dumb inside saying. And Eric's is like, the time we spent together, the memories we've made. And I'm like, here's my card with two porcupines on it, uh, drinking red wine. Like, uh, so no, that's, I appreciate your messages, but uh, I feel like all of them together could change the world. I thought you were going to go, I thought the direction you were taking that was assuming positive intent when it comes to your spouse like our anniversary. and the, anniver the anniversary <laughs> oh. tips, where it's like, Assume positive intent, assume positive intent. <laughs> well, if you have a topic you'd like us to discuss on Open Record or an issue you think we should investigate, please send us an email. You can send your email to fox6investigators at fox.com. Again, that is fox6investigators at fox.com. And if you're writing to criticize us, please assume <laughs> positive intent. 
as always. Send that, and to send that to Amanda. Dot. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Go on. I'll continue. That's okay. As always, thank you to the, all of the people who make this podcast possible. Producer Pete, Dave Machuda, Suzanne Barthel, and of course, Sarah Smith. And please subscribe to Open Record if you haven't already. You can find it wherever you get your podcast. Jenna, thanks again for joining us this week. Of course. Always happy to be here. And with that, I'm Brian Polson. For Amanda St. Hilaire, we'll be back again next week. Mm-hmm.